Hello and welcome to Pulp Today. I have with me Jess Nevins, a specialist in the history of this stuff. Uh, we met initially because he is the only man brave enough to try to explain to people what Alan Moore is thinking in a series of books about the, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, he actually put a trivia section online for people to contribute to and I contributed, I think, two or three little things to the Black Dossier book. Uh, which I was thrilled to see in print years later. Uh, but Jess, tell us a little about yourself. I'm a, by day, I'm a college librarian, and I write in my spare time. I have written a number of books and book chapters and essays on the pulps, and I've probably read more of them than anyone alive. So those are my... Comments. A lot of people, I would consider that the most vain braggery, but from you, I know that is absolutely the truth. Uh, well, I've read the sports pulps and the romance pulps and the right. railroad pulps and all the ones that most people don't bother to read. Right, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. When My introduction, my father was born in 1924 and so was born into the pulps. That was mm -hmm. his favorite reading when he was a kid. I always simplify my definition which you can absolutely correct me, is obviously pulp refers to the paper, the cheapest possible paper you can print a magazine on. Uh, and a lot of people think that it's just detective fiction, just crime fiction, but of course it's anything that was ever printed in a cheap magazine. Uh, I'm going to cheat, I think, later today and record a piece of Pal Joey, which was originally in The New Yorker, which is Definitely not a pulp, but I don't care. It's beautiful writing. Um, but anyway, tell us, starting at the beginning, where does pulp start? What is it? Well, the story of the pulps is the story of disposable popular magazine fiction. And you can go back into the 1840s where they had novelettes right. that did uh, frontier and romance and proto-detective fiction and stories about the Mexican-American War. Then you have the dime novels starting in the 1860s. And the dime novels were fabulously popular for a long time. And then in 1896, you had the first pulp magazine, cheap paper in a certain size. But that's, that's a little bit of a technical issue. Um, but you had the pulps beginning in 1896 with the first issue of Muncie's Argosy. And then the pulps ran for, uh, their heyday was really through the mid-1950s, although the last pulp was published in 71. So it's it, interesting. What's the last pulp from 1971? Uh, when Railroad Man's Magazine made the conversion from pulp to magazine size and and we don't consider the digest size magazines pulp technically or are they no i don't think they're i don't think they are technically and there's a certain sensibility to the pulps that i think doesn't appear in most digest fiction certainly there was a greater expectation for artistic and literary sensibility and style that took over in the digests in the late 50s and early 60s so right. but i'm thinking about the early 50s and you know you have oh 
Ellery Queen magazine and Mike Shane and the Hitchcock magazine. I think there was, was there an Agatha Christie magazine for a minute? I'm, I don't know if I'm remembering that right. But I feel like a lot of, uh, I know my dad was first published in, uh, like Weird Tales. Weird Tales is a pulp, yes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and that's where Lovecraft comes from. That's, you know, all of the guys from the Lovecraft circle, Robert Block. It's just, it's an interesting fine line between Weird Tales and like Analog, Galaxy, Asimov, which I think are more of that slightly more elevated literary, but it's still science fiction, which is considered trash at the time those things right. were being published. Um, I, I, I think even in the early 50s, like uh, Magazine of Fantasy and Science Fiction was 49. Yeah. There was a certain expectation that they were going to what they were publishing was going to be better than the pulps, right? And there weren't going to be, for the most part, there weren't going to be ongoing serials. There weren't going to be ongoing characters. It was going to be true anthology magazines, unlike a lot of the pulps, especially later on in the existence of the the uh, medium. It's funny, I. The only uh, the only convention at which I've ever been a guest of honor was a Doc Savage convention because I had just written a Doc Savage uh, comic book series. And one of the things that I said to them, I echoed something you said, was that we weren't supposed to remember this stuff. We were supposed to read it and throw it in the garbage. Its disposability is exactly the key. And it's exactly the same thing that happens with comic books later. It's 10 cents, man. You're supposed to read it, toss it in the garbage. You're not supposed to love it. It's not supposed to change your life. And it's not supposed to be a thing you're still thinking about 40 years later from your childhood. And yet, here we are. Where right. all this stuff still is still haunting our, our collective dreams. And, you know, I, I'll admit that when I'm recording stuff for the, the series that I'm doing, I'm casting a wider net to cheap paperbacks you know because i i don't know the provenance i mean would you consider hammett's early short stories were in pulp magazines or were they in literary? yeah no they were they were pulps yeah and same with chandler and i that difference between what gets taught in english class and what doesn't get taught in english class is usually the difference between you know true detective magazine and the new yorker harper's uh, the Atlantic, though Chandler gets published in the Atlantic, I actually read from some of uh, Simple Art of Murder, uh, which a good friend of mine mm -hmm. actually got me the 1944 copy of nice. Atlantic. So I read it from there, which is pretty great. But yeah, that I usually oversimplify the history of this stuff by saying once upon a time, there were hardcover books and magazines and there were no paperbacks. And the magazines were for the people and they were disposable and they were trash and the writing was supposed to be trash. And, you know, what, what, how many books, how many Doc Savage novels does Lester Dent end up writing? It's in the, it's hundreds. It's, you know, two a month for a, a ridiculous number of years. You right. Know, for what, 40,000 words, 30,000 words? I can't remember the exact parameters. Yeah, 40,000, 40, I think. But, yeah, he just cranked them out month after month. Yeah. Uh, it, it was disposable, but because it was because of the conditions economically during the 20s and 30s and even 40s, you had some very talented writers 
creating in the pulp. So you had a lot of modern science fiction comes from the pulps. Right. A lot of modern detective fiction comes from the pulps. Modern romance, modern westerns, such as they are. Uh, even literary fiction. Yeah. Can you can argue that there's a line of descent from the mainstream pulps into modern litvic, and there are some writers in the pulps whose work hasn't aged at all. And if there were pulp-like magazines now that were publishing those sorts of stories, uh, they'd be reprinted and do very well. Right. And conversely, you've got some writers like uh, Michael Chabon, whose book, The Two Gentlemen of the Road, or The Gentlemen of the Road, would have been perfect in Argosy or Adventure. Mm. You know, it was published... 10 years ago, and I could not tell much difference between what Chabon was writing and what's appearing in Adventure 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the a, only difference. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a proud tradition. I think there's, you know, there's right. it's easy to write off, but I also think it's, it is the classic, you know, line between high art and low art. Uh, that that culture has been drawing for a zillion years, and uh, it I've always argued it's an artificial distinction. The work is the work; it's good or it's bad. You know, it's not uh, whether it appeared in cheap covers. I mean, think of every great literary novel published in the 1930s that no one remembers, but they right. remember, you know, they remember Doc Savage. And that's part one of my interview with Jess Nevins. Come back next time for part two. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.